Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fire Pit. I am Caleb, and I am here with our high school director, Evan. Now, it is obviously for both of us been a kind of a weird week, so I think this is going to be interesting what we end up talking about. It'll be fun. And in case you don't know, we are basing what we say around the curriculum we are using, which is from Grow Curriculum. So shout out to Grow Curriculum for putting together some amazing stuff. But we do not have this whole talk planned out, so it's really going to be a little bit a little bit shaky, possibly. It'll be just like us being around a campfire, just talking about the book of Ephesians. Yeah, pretty much. Now, with that being said, we're all, we are on a little bit shaky ground, and I have a story, Evan. Oh, boy. So, for me, the most insecure I have ever felt about my footing, about my balance, okay. is when I went ice skating on a date. All right. On a date? On a date, All yes. All right. So, went with my girlfriend at the time, and we were going on this date to the ice rink. It was great, except here's the problem. I have two different sized feet. Like, they're just a half size difference. Yeah, close, but... But they won't let you rent skates in two different sizes. You can't get, like, a nine and a nine and a half. No. No, you can't, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so one of my ankles and one of my feet is always, always wobbly. Mm -hmm. Like, I wear, like, three pairs of socks on that one foot yeah. so that my ankle maybe fills out the skate a little bit more. And Almost. It, it doesn't still. So I'm just like wobbling. Have you seen those videos of like baby deer or horses oh, yeah, where they're just they're like just adjust more? And kind of moving and walking around and yeah. really standing up. Yeah. So that's what I looked like ice skating, which is fine. I it's can picture it in my head. Yes. Caleb wobbling. Yes. Um, but the story gets better because at the ice rink, I ran in to one of my middle school students and his younger brother. And they decided the best thing that they could do was try and teach me how to ice skate well. Oh, that's kind of them. Right, it was. Um, so my date got invaded by... Some middle school students. By a seventh grader and a fifth grader at the time. Fourth grader at the time. Huh. And um, it became a, it then became a group date of Just four. Just a little awkward. A little awkward, which then put me on very unsure footing for the date and unsure footing because I'm ice skating and wobbling all over. And these children are showing me up. Like they're skating backwards, trying to help me skate. And I'm just holding onto the wall, barely staying wow. up. Yep. Wow. And so it did not work out well for me. Did you ever fall? So <laughs> many times. I fell so many times. And not only that, I kept trying to hold my girlfriend's hand and I kept pulling her oh, down. No. She was a fine figure skater, not figure skater, ice skater. But I kept pulling her down. I mm. really, really struggled. And I think a lot of times we get in situations in life where we trip up, mm. where we're unsure of our footing, we're unsure where to go. And sometimes we even pull other people down with us. Yeah. Sometimes we are meaning well, we're well-intentioned, but we are pulling ourselves and others down, which is kind of like 
what we've been talking about and what we're talking about this week in Squad Up. Because there are times when we are going to be in situations where we trip our friends up or a friend will trip us up. Is there any moment that you can think of where you're like, oh yeah, I've been tripped up or I did some tripping? Oh yeah, I mean, ice skating and rollerblading are kind of those big situations where if you're holding hands with someone and one person trips up, you're going to hit the ground, right? Yeah. I, I do like me some rollerblading. Okay. So that's kind of, whenever I go out rollerblading, I'm always like, Flying past people, taking those sharp turns. Oh, you're that guy. Yeah, I'm that guy. guy. Uh, I have this one shirt that I wear that's like really flowy, so I kind of look like I'm floating through the. Oh yeah, it's awesome. At some point, we'll have a skate night, and I will showcase the skills for you. I need to see this shirt. You you need to. Um, But when I was first learning how to do all that, because being on rollerblades isn't like walking. I mean, you're right. You kind of figure out the balance. You're on wheels, so you're moving, and it's whole lot of things i remember there was a group of us and we were all holding hands together (laughs) trying to keep each other up okay you you know five feet in the in the skating rink one person trips up all of us fall to the ground and it it didn't just happen once it happened two or three times because we were trying to support each other but because one or two of us weren't confident it just wasn't going to work out right and yeah it happens, you're right, it does happen a lot of times in life. It's not always as simple as seeing people fall down on the ground. Right. Um, but, you know, in school it can happen too. If, if your friend group, if you're like on a team trying mm-hmm. to complete a project. Right. And one person doesn't do the work assigned to them, the whole project can fall to the wayside, right? And so we see that not just in those wobbly situations, but in, in real life. Yeah, and it's... Here's the thing. It's really funny when you watch someone trip up or them pull each other down. That's what makes America's Funniest Home Videos a great TV show. Yeah, because you just see people get slightly hurt. Not really. Not really. Hurt. Like, hurt. We don't want to. Yeah, we don't want to really see that. Hurt. But sometimes people can trip us up in really important and destructive and painful ways. Yeah. Maybe not like physically painful, but really destructive and painful ways emotionally and spiritually. Yeah. Because sometimes we are influenced by our friends to make poor decisions. It's mm-hmm. like they've fallen and pulled us down with them. Or we adopt other people's negative attitudes or their perspectives. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we turn and we change our beliefs and our values to imitate someone else's. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people can trip us up, but sometimes we can trip others up too and pull them down in ways that we wouldn't want them to be pulled down. Yeah. And because we're all imperfect people and our relationships with each other can sometimes feel like we're losing a war with gravity. We pull each other down or let ourselves be pulled down instead of helping each other stay standing. True. But I feel like there's also situations where we lift each other up or we have, right, we yeah. have like like awesome win. Like, have you ever seen the dad wins videos? I love the dad there's, wins videos. There's one video where they're on like that sectional couch that makes an L turn. Yep. And the dad's just chilling on his back and his, his wife is on the, like behind him and the baby's in the corner. And the baby goes to get up and just starts to fall face first. And all you can see is the baby's head hitting the ground. But dad out of nowhere from behind in a blind look 
reaches his hand back and saves the baby inches from the ground. I always think that's a mind-blowing thing. Right, and I'm pretty sure the dad was asleep. He like, was, he's literally he asleep and just knows it's his amazing. baby's in danger. <sighs> and he just reaches out and stops his baby from getting hurt. Yeah, and he he has a child on his chest, right, too. Yeah. So, he yeah, he's not able to move anything except for that arm. And, oh, so amazing. But, like, life is like that, too, where there are moments where we can snatch our friends and our family from bad situations or from poor decisions simply by acting out and and by taking action. Yeah, and I think that brings up a good point. We've been talking about our squads, but we want to be building a squad where we can trust the people around us to have our back, to look out for our best interests and intervene, reach out and stop us when we're about to get hurt or in trouble. Mm -hmm. And we want to be able to do the same for our friends. I think it's important that we we kind of pick on that requires trust, mm-hmm. right? Cuz you never really it's always difficult to have someone call you out if you're going to make a poor decision. But when you trust someone to do those things, your squad can be really really strong. Oh yeah. Yeah, if you have that trust with those group of people, it can become a great thing. Like if you know this person has my back, you're going to be more confident in any endeavor you try to take, anything that you do that may seem risky. Mm -hmm. You're going to have that assurance that you are not alone. Mm -hmm. And we need people to have our back. A lot of times it could be when we do something dangerous or unwise, which let's be real, We've all done. Oh, yeah. And I will, I know I will do more dangerous or unwise things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also need people to have our back when we're struggling or hurting or we just feel alone. And well, if we're questioning what we believe. Yeah. All of those situations require people and our squad around us. Yeah. Right? Because, I mean, you, you mentioned feeling alone. Oftentimes we can feel alone and we need people around us to remind us we're not alone. Yeah. Right? And when, especially when we're questioning our beliefs, we've talked about it this whole time. The church isn't just a building. It's a group of people. So right. if you're questioning things, go to the church, go to the group of people and bring it to bring it to the surface. You know, talk about those those things that we're we're wondering on and we're unsure on. Yeah. And it's really great if you feel that that the church is a trusting place where you can turn to. But we've talked about it for the past few weeks as well. Jesus' followers aren't always perfect, and God's family often has a lot of issues to work out. But if we can work through those things and build that trust, it is it is this powerful group of people that we can turn to in any situation. Oh, yeah. A squad that we know has our back. Mm-hmm which is just one of the coolest things because that's how God intended his church to function. That's how God intended his people to function so that we are not alone, but that we are in a squad, in a community with others to help us through those things. I like, I mean, we've been going through Ephesians, Mm -hmm. right? And so we've, we've kind of picked a little bit. We haven't read the whole book through. And if you have time, I definitely recommend you read the whole book of Ephesians. It's got some great stuff in there. Um, But this week, you know, all of this talk about uh, uh, holding our squad and and 
having each other's backs kind of reminds me of of like an old school military, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've been watching uh, like NCIS okay. lately, right? Cool naval criminal show. Um, but there's a Marine in it who always says, who always has his people's backs, right? right? And he's always protecting them. But he also calls them out when they do dumb stuff. Yeah. Right? And so whenever I think about that, I always think, you know, in a military situation, you're always going to have your partner's back, your Mm -hmm. friend's back. And Paul talks about that weirdly in Ephesians 6. Yeah. Right? Now, obviously, we're not talking about kind of a United States military. We're talking old school Roman stuff with swords (laughs) and sandals and, and shields and whatnot. But... He, he talks about exactly what that looks like in a way that the people back then would have understood it. And I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah, I agree. But side note, who thought it was a good idea for the military to wear sandals? Here's the thing. If I'm walking in sandals and I stub my toe, I'm down. You're, yeah, you're like, not getting back up either. Right, like I am acting like a child on the ground because I've hurt my toe. Oh, yeah. And so when I just think of this Roman army, these Roman soldiers, all they're, with their they're, they're sandals. They're all cladded up in, in armor, armor, military swords. And then you look at their ankles and there's a couple of straps. Right. Toes are just out there ready to hit. Because you know, if the toe is out. Oh, yeah. That pinky toe, it's going to hit it's anything. And everything. Yep. But I like the idea and the imagery of a Roman soldier in that Roman army working together. The Roman army was known for its formations, for its unique structures that they used to always have each other's back. But even in that, they had their group, but they all each had their individual armor Mm -hmm. to keep them safe. And I like how in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it starts, Paul emphasizes this. He says, a final word. This is like the last thing he's going to say. He's making sure it's important. He says the final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. And I think that is just such a really cool thing. And then he goes on to describe every piece of God's armor. He talks about When you do this, you can stand firm. You'll be able to stand your ground. And then he goes through and he lists out these pieces of armor and what they can kind of do. And the entire purpose is to protect yourself, but also to protect those around you, to protect your squad. You can't protect the people around you until you are prepared. Right, definitely. And I think it's really interesting that... Paul, who's writing this letter in the time of Rome, and a good chunk of the people, as we talked about before, in this church in Ephesus were Jewish. Mm -hmm. And for the Jewish people, the Roman army was not a positive thing. No, it was very not. Right. The Roman army, the Rome had conquered much of the world. And so these Jewish people... They were used to Roman soldiers being everywhere, but these Roman soldiers were invaders and conquerors, and most people didn't like them. Mm -hmm. So I think when Paul is talking about the armor, and he uses all examples of Roman armor, I think it's really interesting how Paul did that. Because he would have 
the Jewish people would have associated this armor with their enemy. Mm-hmm. And to tell the church that they needed some armor of their own, they would have got. They're yeah. like, oh, we're at war. We have been fighting this enemy for a long time. But what he gave them wasn't the kind of armor they might have expected. Oh, definitely not. And I think Jesus and Paul both did this where they would tell a story about a physical thing. Yeah. But that story isn't the main point, right? The main point lies deeper. And Paul does an excellent job of that as he goes through different parts of Mm -hmm. the armor that you would wear. Each part is a symbol of a spiritual thing that he was really trying to get across, right? right? And that's why stories and things like that are so powerful and why the Bible is so powerful the way it is, because stories and, and symbols tend to lead us into spiritual truths. And Paul does an excellent job of doing that here in a way that I think anyone can understand. Oh, yeah, he does. Even though I have never seen a Roman soldier in person, I have a good idea of what they look like because Paul used very vivid imagery, Mm -hmm. very vivid storytelling to make it very well known what he was trying to say. And it's something that's withstood thousands of years Mm -hmm. since this happened. So... So, so let's go through them. Yeah. Kind of one by one, talk about each one. Um, what's the first one he mentions? The fir- So the first one he mentions is the belt of truth. Gotta have your belt. Gotta have your belt. It's important. But for them, really, and for us all today, it's a reminder to keep God's truth close to us. Mm-hmm. It's a reminder that we need to have it in a place where we can always reach it. Because... The belt is the part of the Roman armor that holds all of the other armor pieces in place. Without your belt, what the other parts of your armor are not going to be as secure. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like those videos where you see a small child dressing up in their parents' clothes. And yes, they're technically wearing all the right clothes, but it, it's kind of falling off of them in places. And, and you can tell it doesn't quite work. Right. But Paul tells the church in Ephesus to have the belt of truth. And I think that's really because God's truth should be at our center. And God's truth should protect us and if we use it correctly. It's the anchor that holds everything else in place. I mean, your, your belt really is the thing that keeps you protected. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing that all of the other pieces that you might have a part of your armor without your belt doesn't matter, right? right? They're all going to fall off. So it really, truth is the thing that holds everything else in place. And I think it's, we mentioned earlier how, you know, if, if we're questioning things mm-hmm. in our faith, it is so important to bring that out because that's part of our truth. And we need to constantly, if any kind of questions like that come up, we really need to talk about it and seek after God's truth. Because sometimes truth can, you know, be hard to understand. Right. And the only way to understand it is to dig into it and talk about it. And, and it's important to have that as the center part of your armor. Yeah. And I think I like that distinguishing characteristic you said there. God's truth. Because there's truth. Like, it is true that you are wearing a black hoodie right now. Mm-hmm. That is a true statement. I can confirm that. Yeah. But... Is that God's truth? While it may be true, is it something that is essential to who God is? Mm. 
And when we're talking about this belt of truth, we need to remember that we need to be putting on God's truth. We need to be putting on the things that are essential to God. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because the things that we need ultimately come from God. If I'm only relying on the truth that I can see and feel and touch in front of me. You're going to be missing a huge part. Right. Which no one wants that. No. Which is, I think, why the belt is the very first thing he lists. Because it's so important. The second thing he says, I think it's really cool. He goes to the belt and then he goes up. The next thing he says is the breastplate of righteousness. Now, Mm -hmm. righteousness is, is our reminder to follow Jesus not just in our words, which can be very easy, right? but in our actions. When we choose what's wrong instead of what's right, we end up leaving ourselves vulnerable to some really serious you know, damage and issues. But we can be protected by choosing to act righteously. And the great thing about this is we, we don't have the strength to do that in and of ourselves. It's a gift that God gives us through Jesus. Yeah. Right? I mean, the Bible says that not all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? But when Jesus came, he set us free from our sin, washed us clean, and then clothed us in righteousness. And Paul reminds us, put that on as a breastplate because it will protect you and your core. Yeah, and I think that imagery as well, the importance of a breastplate is to keep you from deadly harm, right? Because... What the breastplate is protecting are your vital organs. Mm -hmm. It's protecting your heart, your lungs, your kidneys. All of those things, every single vital organ is covered under the the breastplate, really. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's not is obviously the brain, but God talks about that later. We'll get there. But everything that we need the good majority of them that we need to survive are right there at our chest, right there at the heart. And God in his righteousness is there to protect all of those things. Mm -hmm. Which I think is really cool because if we're trying to take this as imagery today, God's righteousness can still be used to protect our hearts today. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. We live in a very safe environment there are not people trying to attack us in our office yeah but my heart still needs protecting from the things of this world and so the fact that god's righteousness and that gift that you were talking about his redemption for us is that layer of protection yeah is so cool to think about i I don't know if you've seen lord of the rings of course i've seen lord of the rings evan so in lord of the rings bilbo has a uh an elfin made sheet of rings, right? They're yeah. basically a, a t-shirt of armor. Yeah, right? chainmail. Which you can kind of think about as a breastplate, right? Mm-hmm. It covers your chest and it kind of has the same the same part of it. But you know, in the first Lord of the Rings movie, he gives it to Frodo. Frodo's hiding it from everybody. So it's not like it's readily available to be seen. Right. Um and then Frodo gets stabbed. And everyone thinks Frodo's dead. Yeah. Because they, he, he didn't just get stabbed. He got stabbed by a cave troll and a spear that was nine feet long. Right. right? So, you know, at one point Aragorn goes over to Frodo after the big battle's over and he turns Frodo over expecting to see his friend just dead. And Frodo takes a big gasp of air and he says, I'm fine. Yeah. And I think the breastplate of righteousness does that for us Ooh, yeah. today, right? It's It's something that, 
we don't see. It's hidden under the surface. But when something comes and attacks us, it protects us. Mm -hmm. And it's often in those times that our righteousness is revealed. When if we are diligent to put it on every single day, when the attacks come, then it reveals the righteousness that God has clothed us in. Yeah, and I think that it's a really cool metaphor, but I also like what you said that we have to put it on every day. We have to choose to act righteously. Mm-hmm. And God's gift of righteousness is given to us through Jesus, but it is still a choice for us to put those things on and to put on that righteousness every day through our actions in our words. If we tried to just wear God's righteousness while at the same time not having any of our own, it would be like we were wearing oversized clothes that don't fit Mm. because we're never going to fill God's clothes and it'll just look weird. So part of that also needs to come from us and our actions. Ultimately, we can't compare to what God gives us, but we can still choose righteousness through what we do and say. Yeah, It's a teamwork between us and God. God gives it to us, but then we have to accept it and live it out. Yeah, definitely. And then Paul moves on to this We talked about a little bit. The shoes of peace is how he refers to them. So I don't know if maybe they had a special pinky toe protector. Otherwise, I don't know how much. I hope they did. Yeah, otherwise, I hope they did. (laughs) Otherwise, I don't know how much peace there would be. But the shoes of peace remind us that we always need to be ready to share the good news of Jesus, and that we can all know God through Jesus's death and his resurrection. I, I like the shoes of peace. Like, I feel like some people kind of read that and go, that's a really weird piece mm-hmm. on your feet. But I think it lends us to peace is movement. Yeah. Right? Like you have to go out and walk to peace. Like right. it really is something that requires action. And I really like that because peace, I think in our day and age, a lot of times people think, well, if I stay quiet and I go into the background, that's peaceful. But it's really not. Peace requires action and movement and walking to those things. Yeah. Wow. I really like I really like that. And I was also just thinking of how these shoes were designed. The Roman shoes that they're talking about here, these sandals, they were not typically how we think of sandals being today. Yeah. It's almost in my mind, I'm just picturing like high top converse. With the top gone. Like, the, the top of your foot is totally exposed. Right. But yeah, they were high-top commerce. They were they all the were, way up to, like, your knees. Yeah, and they laced up. Like, it provided a lot of stability and protection to keep them on your feet. Yeah. Like, you lace these up. You take that time to really clothe yourself with that. Your shoes aren't going anywhere. And I think the same is true if we choose to lace ourselves up in the peace that God has provided to us. If we do, we are safe. We are secure. We are not going to run out of our shoes. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like if I just had a little more piece stuffed into my shoe, my ice skates, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been as wobbly, wouldn't have been falling down. And if I was at peace in those things, I wouldn't have pulled others down with me. So just the idea of it's not just a sandal. It's something that is securely fastened stable. to you. It's stable. I, I like to, I'm not sure if this is in every kind of translation, mm-hmm. but in my Bible, it says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I like how it's not just shoes of peace. Yeah. Right. It, Paul tells us where that peace comes from. 
Yeah. And that peace comes from the gospel, which is the story of Jesus dying, well, living, and then dying and being resurrected. In that gospel, that's where we find peace. Right? Yeah. Peace isn't just something that is out there, unable to quite be understood. It's something that God has lived out and then told us how to live out as well. And it does have a core to it that we can find yeah. peace in. Oh, definitely. All, all of these pieces of armor come directly from God and what he's done. Yeah. Without him, we don't have truth. We don't have righteousness. We don't have peace. And we don't have the next one either, which is the shield of faith. Mm. And this one is the first thing that's not attached to your body, mm. um, which I think is interesting because the shield of peace Helps in it. The shield us, of faith? Yeah, I that's the one. Yeah. I knew I said it wrong. You did. The shield of faith keeps us protected from lies that try to tell us Jesus isn't who he says he is, or that he won't do what he says he will do. It's protecting us from the lies about all of the peace and righteousness and truth that God gives to us that the world is trying to lie to us and tell us doesn't exist. Mm. And sometimes we can believe those lies, not only about God, but we can also believe lies about ourselves too. Yeah. And I can tell you there have been many times when someone's words or actions have turned into messages that I continue to just replay in my mind about my identity, my worth, or my purpose. But when I turn back to my faith, that shield, I no longer have to believe those lies about myself. Mm. And I also don't have to believe the lies that others or the world has told me about God. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. I, whenever I hear um, the shield of faith, right? And mm -hmm. this is in Roman time. And I'm kind of a history buff when it comes to Roman stuff, right? So they actually had a formation called the turtle. The turtle. The tur turly turtle. <laughs> um, basically, you know, they, had, they would have a squadron of people. And they would protect themselves. The front line would hold their shields in front of them. And these weren't, you know, your small little buckler shields. These were massive human-sized shields that would protect them almost from head to toe. Okay. And so your front line would hold the shield in front of them all the way across. So you just have a line of shields. And then it would be the same on the sides and the same in the back. And then the people in the middle, they would lift their shields up above their head. So you had shields... All the way around, like a like a turtle, like shell. a turtle, and then shields kind of kind of on there. And so I think this shield of faith, the people in this time would know very much about that formation because it was one of those formations used to conquer their area, right? So they would be kind of familiar with it. And so I think when Paul talks about the shield of faith, it really is something that is impenetrable, right? When arrows would come, or when when lies come. It's just going to bounce off of that shield, and you're going to be totally safe. And that's what faith can do. If your faith is strong, no lie can penetrate it. No, no falsehood can attack it because your faith is strong, right? And not only that, but it can also build the faith of the people around you, right? right? That, it's a squadron of people who are shielded up and protecting each other. And there are times when you know, maybe your faith isn't the strongest. Maybe you're questioning some things. Mm -hmm. But if you've got your shield up, the people around you who might be feeling a little bit stronger in their faith at that time will have their shields up and you'll all be protected. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And I like the idea of we can apply that to the church today. And our squads, our 
if our squad or our church is built on God's truth, God's righteousness, God's peace, and all of that is culminating together in the faith that we have in God and who he says he is, we are making ourselves as a squad stronger. Because yeah. really, if it's just me with my shield, I can protect one, one front direction. of me. Yeah. yeah, I can put it in front of me and protect people from coming at me from uh, in front. But if someone comes from behind, I'm left exposed. Yeah. So the shield of faith is strong and powerful, but it is even more strong and powerful in a community, in a squad. Yeah. And I liked how you said... You know, this definitely relates to lies mm, yeah. for people. I mean, it's funny. I was thinking about this not that long ago. Even as as an adult, I still have things that people said to me in high school sometimes run through my brain. Yeah. And I have to remind myself, I am God's child, mm-hmm. right? I am I am his workmanship. I am loved by God. And those, those kinds of things are an action of your faith. Right. right? And... I think, you know, we can talk about faith as kind of a word that is really hard to nail down and really understand. But really, faith is just reminding us of God's promises and of who God is. Um, when the lies against our character come up, we can read the Bible. And the Bible says that we're workmanship, we're loved by God, and that right. builds our faith. And it's the same when people bring in lies about who God is and who Jesus is. We look at the Bible and we see Jesus declares himself the son of God. That's an action of faith. So faith really is actions. Right. It's it's reminding us of those promises. Oh, yeah. Yeah, really is. And I like like how we've talked a lot about actions. um, Because our body can't make us do actions without our brain, Mm -hmm. without our head. That's an integral part. If I'm standing here without a brain, which I've been told has happened occasionally to me, um, my body's not going to do what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. But the brain is so important. Our head is so important, which I think is why Paul, the last piece of protective armor that Paul talks about is the helmet of salvation. Yeah. And it's just this reminder that our thoughts can be one of our greatest battlegrounds too. Sure. When I said I've been told I don't have a brain, I'm not meaning literally. Oh, yeah. I have a brain, but my thoughts or the things that the world has thrown at me are in such a battleground, in such a battlefield right now, that it seems like I'm lost, yeah. like I'm not there. But God has already won the battle that goes on in our minds for us. And because salvation comes through Jesus, we can believe and trust that our battle against sin has already been won even when we're struggling to stand strong. Because really, that's when I'm at my most sluggish. I'm at my woe is me type mentality is when I've let the thoughts of all of the sins that I've committed cloud my mind, try and pull me down. But God's salvation that he brought about through Jesus protects me from that. Because it doesn't matter what I've done or what I've left undone. Because God's salvation is there throughout all of that. Yeah. And I love how he makes that the helmet. Because you're yeah. you're so right. It's that's the part that's can sometimes be the hardest battleground, is the battleground of the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of us are struggling with, especially in this time, 
anxiety, yeah. fear, depression, all of those things are part of that battleground of the mind. God has won all of those all of those battles, right? That's not to say you're not going to struggle with it on, on right. the daily basis, but that's why it's so important to to read your Bible and mm-hmm. to pray and be be in relationship with God because you know as human beings we need reminders. I don't know about yeah. you, but I constantly am writing things down on a piece of paper. Or I have calendar things popping up all the time. It's because I need to be reminded yeah. of the things that are important, right? It's the same with, you know, our relationship with God and our mental battlegrounds. Yeah. We need to be reminded of who we are. And the only way that we can do that is by reading who God says we are or yeah. praying and being a part of that relationship. That's the helmet that protects us. Again, those action steps with that too. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And salvation means saving. Yeah. Right. And that's what Jesus did. And again, you said it earlier, it all comes back to what Jesus did on the cross. When he saved us, he brought us into relationship and we can experience that, that freedom, that openness to, to live out our life protected and knowing who we are in Christ. Right. Definitely. And then the final piece of God's armor. My personal favorite. Oh, nice. The final piece of God's armor, which isn't even technically armor. I like how it's the only offensive thing that he talks about. Right. I mean, you could you could say that a shield can be used offensively, but this one is, you're going to use it for battle. Right. And it's the sword of the spirit. Oh, yeah. And the spirit is the word of God. Like, in an actual life or death situation where the early Christians were being imprisoned and murdered by their enemies, don't you think it's so interesting that Paul says that their greatest weapon is the word of God. Hmm. Like, no matter what attacks we face, Paul tells us we can protect ourselves by holding tight to everything God has said and the Holy Spirit has revealed to us. Yeah. I think, though, sometimes we get in trouble because we as Christians try and use God's word as a weapon against other people. Hmm. When really, this isn't none of this armor is to be used against other people. It's to be used against the things that Satan and the world have thrown at us. Yeah. And I think that line sometimes can get a little blurry. Yeah. But there's also a point where it's you have to have in your mind, and the Bible speaks to this, the, the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's mm-hmm. against the spiritual realm, which can be hard to discern if you're not in a good relationship with Christ, right? right? Because we can't sense, touch, see, hear, or smell the spirit. But right. when we're in relationship with God and when we're, we're, we're working on that, it becomes clear. Yeah. And we know what words to say, not just shouting words as an offense, but we can pinpoint our, our attacks. I'm going to use that. Yeah. But we can pinpoint our attacks to the spiritual problems, Mm -hmm. not the human thing that's going on. We need to help the human element. That's the goal. Right. Right. But we can pinpoint our attacks towards the spiritual things that are going on. Right. And because the people that were Paul is talking to, some of them were being murdered or imprisoned. Oh, there, there, there's a lot of of strife and physical harm being right being put out. And even in the middle of that, Paul doesn't tell them to actually attack people with violence what he says is use god's word Mm -hmm. that's all you need 
which probably upset some of the early Christians. I'm sure. And you got to think, a lot of the early Christians were oppressed for so long. They wanted some sort of physical rebellion to take place. But that's not why Jesus came. Right. Right. He came to set up a spiritual kingdom, which was unlike anything the world had ever seen before or since. Yeah. Now, but imagine what would happen if we were all in a battle but had forgotten some of or like all of our armor. Like even the best trained armies wouldn't survive very long without protection. Mm. If you're running around with just a belt and a helmet and I'm next to you with only my shoes and the sword, we don't stand a chance. We really don't. We probably this is wouldn't. A funny, this is a funny thought though. Right, we probably wouldn't stand a chance even if you and I were fully yeah, decked that's, out that's like an actual war. I'd probably be running in the opposite direction. Right, those shoes better be laced up tight because yeah. I'm getting out of there. But if we're going to stand strong, we need all of our armor. Mm. And we need to, I like how we've been focusing so much on action. It really is, we need to put it on every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting that there are two things that don't get mentioned with God's armor. Mm. And I think the first is that it doesn't say anything about protecting our backs. Mm. And I think maybe that's because we were never meant to go into battle alone. Paul asked his fellow Jesus followers to pray for him, and he knew he needed his squad. And remember, this isn't a letter written to just one person. It's written to a whole group of people. None of Paul's instructions can be fully put into practice without a community. Like, Paul is calling us to stand strong in our faith, and if we want to stand strong in our faith, no matter what our enemy throws at us, we can stand strong together. Mm-hmm. I, I like how Paul includes that in his list, right? He's got the helmet of salvation, the shield of, of faith, all of that stuff. And then he immediately goes into and pray in the spirit. Right. Be together. That It's kind of like prayer and being together is our secret weapon, mm-hmm. right? We got, we got the, the, the armor. We've got the sword. But when we really need help, our secret weapon is prayer and each other. Yeah. Definitely. And so, knowing those things, we can stand strong together in three ways. We can put on our armor. Which we need to do every single day. Yeah, and don't just toss it aside or ignore it. We need to, like, suit up. Oh, yeah. Every, every single day. piece. Yeah. In, every day. And we need to suit up in God's protection and who God is and who God has created us to be. Because you're not the only one at risk if you don't. Like, your entire squad is. Yeah. Like, we need each other, and we need to not be afraid to ask for help if we're struggling to get our armor on. Well, that's that's number two, right? We, yeah. We we can ask for help, and we can also help others. Yeah. That's what it means to be a part of a squad. We help each other put on our armor, and we are willing to ask for help when we need it as well. Right. Because if you see someone else who's struggling or seems to have forgotten a piece of their armor... You'd help be, them out! Yeah. Like, you'd be kind of a bad friend if you saw someone struggling, oh, yeah. and didn't do anything about it. You'll do fine, bro. Yeah, good luck out there without your helmet. <laughs> yeah, no. No. And, and then, the, oh, go for it. Do you want to do it or you want me to do, do it? Do you do it? Number three, I think the secret weapon of all is pray. Yeah. Right? Like Paul said uh, for the Ephesians to do, pray for each other. Uh, I think it's it's cool how when you don't pray, you're powerless. Yeah. Right? So when we're called into life prayer gives us not just our power 
but prayer gives us God's power. You don't have to pray long. You don't have to spend three hours praying. Just pray. Yeah. Yeah, which is so important, especially because sometimes we're going to face battles that are overwhelming or even impossible. But no matter what kind of battle we're facing, we don't have to fight our battles alone because Jesus has already won the war. Which is good to know. It is. And we're on the winning team. Mm -hmm. And because of what God has done to rescue us and equip us, we can stand strong together. So encouraging. Yeah. Now, earlier I did say that there were two areas that seemed to be left out in the armor, and I mentioned the back was one. Mm -hmm. But do you know what the other one is? I don't. The armor of God, I've always thought this was weird. The armor of God says nothing about pants. Like, apparently none of these people are wearing pants. Maybe the belt is a really thick belt. I don't know. It's actually, it's it's funny, if, if being the Roman buff that I am, they didn't actually wear pants. No. They wore a freaking skirt. Yeah. And it did. was awesome. Right. But even that's not mentioned here. It's not. So I think it's really interesting that the armor of God has no pants. In fact, I actually have a shirt that says that. And it just says the armor of God has no pants. And it's a Roman soldier standing there in his underwear. Interesting. Yep. Anyway, thank you all for joining us. It went a little bit longer than we've done the past few times. But hopefully you were able to get some things out of God's armor. And yeah. ways that you can use it as a squad. Let us know... If you're either in comments or you can email yep. the fire pit at aldersgate aldersgatechurch.com. Yep. Um, let us know what you think, right? If we're going too long, if we're not talking enough, let us know. If you have anything to say about the armor of God or a story that you want to tell, let us know. We'll we'll we love to talk about those things. Obviously, we are we, we love to we talk. We like to talk. So let us know. And this is our last week for squad up. So next week be looking for something different. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you later. Bye. Bye-bye.